Thank you for being here today. Well, today I'm going to begin a new series of messages. I told you last week that we were going to uh, start a series of messages uh, this week. It's going to last four weeks on the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I am so excited about what I believe the Lord is wanting to say to us because I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so, it's so important. In fact, it is absolutely essential for being a believer. And yet many of us, uh, many of us are confused or, or perhaps we, don't, we have never received a lot of information about the Holy Spirit. Or, or perhaps we've received pieces of information here and there, but we may not fully understand who the Holy Spirit is and, and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, unfortunately, today we gather... And uh, as we just did in our time of worship, in our time of transition, uh, we, we gather and once again we find ourselves with a, a global crisis, a, a situation uh, uh, that causes a lot of fear, a situation that causes a lot of confusion. And, and, and I don't know about you, but as things have unfolded over the last few days, uh, just trying to really understand what is going on, why is it happening, and and um, and trying to understand what is this what does this mean for uh, the world and and when we find ourselves in these situations, um, I, I find myself at least uh, my heart breaking, but also uh, also just seeing the world and the pattern of broken humanity just showing itself over and over and over again. It seems like history has taught us that. That humanity craves, it desires, it thinks it needs this power or this control. And over and over and over again in history, uh, we see people who try to assert their power and try to assert their authority. And unfortunately, often when that happens, it happens at the expense of others, right? When we strive for power, often to, in our striving for power, we have to take something from somebody else to get power. We love power, right? We love power. And power comes in a lot of forms. Power comes in the form of money. It comes in the form of positions. And humanity just keeps getting caught in this cycle of going after power, looking for power, desiring power, and then hurting each other in its obsession for power. When we think about power, you find it in politics. We find it in global events like we see right now. But we also find it in spirituality. It's interesting when you uh, look at a lot of tyrants who have uh, done a lot of damage in the world. You take Hitler, for instance. Hitler was, as much as you may, uh, we may think Hitler was uh, a terrible person and maybe we think he was insane. A lot of people will tell you that Hitler, for, for, for in many ways, was a genius in a lot of the things that he did, both politically and militarily. And, he, and, he, and it was always as though when you read about him, he's bordering between insanity and genius. But one of the interesting things about Hitler was that he sought power politically and militarily, but he also, if you read about Hitler, you find out that he also was obsessed with, he was obsessed with spiritual things. 
That he often that he often went around and had whole portions of his of the people that he controlled looking for and trying to find as many as many spiritual things as he could. That he was involved in the occult and all of these different things. And as much as you may think, oh, that was conspiracy theories. No, there's historical proof that he was pursuing both political and military gain, but he was also pursuing spiritual gain because power is something that we see politically we see it in our jobs and careers but we also see it spiritually as believers we certainly understand that we live in a spiritual world right come on we're in South Africa we live in a spiritual world right we see spiritual things around us all the time and when we see these spiritual things we can, we can easily get caught up in, in this spiritual world and we can easily, just like in a political world or a social world or an economic world, in a world that is overwhelming to us when war takes place, we can be, we can be scared and overwhelmed by spiritual things as well, right? You can be as scared as you may be about what is war going to, what is war in the Ukraine going to mean for us in South Africa. And apparently they announced petrol prices are going up on Wednesday, so go fill up your car after church. As much as there are like literal realities for us in the physical, you look at these things and you can be scared in the physical, but you can also be scared in the spiritual. What, is, what does all of this mean? What do spiritual things mean? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, oftentimes people's immediate mindset concerning the Holy Spirit and the things of the Holy Spirit are exactly what I've been talking about. It's all about, well, I want power. So give me the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit gives me power. In fact, when you, when you study the New Testament church in the book of Acts, and we'll get it get into this later in this series, as the early church began to move and they were moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, a magician happened to notice what they were doing and he said, I want that power, let me buy it. And oftentimes people think they can buy the power of God, they can buy the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit or the things of the Spirit, and it becomes a pursuit of power, not legitimate power, not God's power. Not the power of God to bring truth and righteousness in the world, but power for oneself, like the tyrant, like the, like the corporate leader or whomever who's amassing wealth and power and resources to themselves so they can control others. Unfortunately, human history has taught us that people seek spiritual power, not for the glory of God, but for their own glory. So over the next few weeks as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're going to journey through this together in understanding who the Holy Spirit is, what His purpose is, and then what that looks like in your life and my life. You may be saying, but Pastor Randy, does that, are you saying to us that the Holy Spirit isn't, doesn't bring us power? No, quite the contrary. That's what we're going to talk about. The Holy Spirit certainly empowers us, but He doesn't empower us so that we can manipulate and control and get what we want, when we want, where we want, from whom we want. Instead, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is so that God's kingdom may be manifested through us. That's something entirely different. Over the last couple of days, as I have watched things unfold, and you, you could hear it in me earlier, um, my heart has just been so 
really overwhelmed by people who who are finding themselves in the Ukraine right now, whether it be a, a Ukrainian child or a, a Rus Russian sh soldier, someone finding themselves in that place of war. I can't imagine myself in that situation. And as I mentioned in my prayer a little earlier, you know, we tasted a little bit of chaos early last year. But I can't even imagine your entire city being surrounded by an army that is coming in. And I can't imagine how alone a person must feel, how helpless they must feel. This morning, as we begin this series on the Holy Spirit, the very first thing that I want you to learn and I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit answers that one question, am I alone? The reality, the existence of the Holy Spirit is all about you and I understanding that in this world, we are not alone. We are not alone in this world. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our circumstance, our situation is, God's declaration to us, God's manifestation to us is that we are not alone. Alone in our darkest moments, in our most joyous moments, we can know with certainty that God is with us. That is what the Holy Spirit is all about. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is His purpose to make manifest the presence of God. Today, we're going to look at a particular chapter in the Bible found in John chapter 14. And John chapter 14 um, comes toward the end of the ministry of Jesus here on the earth. He and his disciples have traveled to uh, enjoy the Passover meal. But more specifically, they've come to a place where things are about to transition and Jesus is about to be arrested and taken to the cross. And in John chapter 13... You begin, to, you begin to read this, and during your daily 20 this week, I would encourage you, read John chapter 13, 14, 15 during this week, during your daily 20. And, and as you read it, what you find is Jesus gathers with his disciples. They're celebrating the, uh, the Passover meal, but it's, this, it's really this serious, very heavy time uh, for the disciples. They can feel and they can sense the tension uh, that is really in the room and in the city as the, the, notor the notoriety of Jesus and his ministry has built to the point where it's clear there is about to be a, a massive conflict between Jesus and the religious establishment at that day. And the disciples and those who were following Jesus were still struggling with this idea that they believed Jesus was going to be this warrior Messiah who was going to come and was going to overthrow Rome and was going to set right worship and was going to set right the house of the Lord. And so they couldn't really understand everything that was happening. And as they're sensing and feeling this tension, Jesus begins to talk to them as they sat for dinner that night, and he begins to explain to them, guys, I'm about to, I'm about to leave. I'm about to depart. I'm not going to be with you for much longer. And as the disciples begin to wrestle with what Jesus is saying, it, if, if you put yourself there, you can almost feel the tension in the room. Jesus says to the disciples, one of you, one of my closest 12, are about to betray me. Imagine that. You've 
walked with Jesus, you've lived with Jesus, you've walked and lived with these other people, and now you, you think you're a part of this great revolution that is coming, and now, right, right in its most tense moment, Jesus turns to his closest follower, and he says, one of you is about to betray me. Of course, Peter, as Peter often does, says, no way, none of us are going to betray you. I'm certainly not going to betray you. Jesus, no matter what happens, I'm going with you to the end. And Jesus turns to probably his most vocal, extroverted supporter and says, you know what, Peter, even you, even you are going to deny me in the next 24 hours. You're going to deny me three times. Imagine the mood in the room. Imagine the confusion that was flooding the hearts of the disciples. Imagine how alone they must have felt. Their Messiah, their King, the one who looked them in the face and said, follow me. And they abandoned everything so they could follow, so they could follow him, was looking at them and was saying to them, I'm about to leave. So when we look at John chapter 14, I just want you to understand as Jesus is speaking to the disciples, what he is, what he is confronting in them is this fear of abandonment, this fear that they're about to lose everything, this world in which everything is being turned upside down. I don't have time to read all of John chapter 14, but I want to read verses 15 through 17 to you. It says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is Jesus saying, just, just, you just have to know that I'm not, I'm going away for a little while, but I'm coming back. I'm not leaving you alone. And, and they're so confused and they're so upset. And they say, Jesus, how can we follow you? We don't even know where you're going. We don't know what's going on. We're so, we have, we have lack of clarity in all of this. And this is Jesus' words to them. He said, if you love me, Keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. First point I want to make this morning concerning the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. The disciples have been in this dialogue with Jesus. They've been in this scenario with Jesus in which they're, they're so confused and they're so overwhelmed. Jesus says, I'm going somewhere that you can't go. I'm about to face something that you can't face. He's, he's indicating to them that he's going to the cross, but they can't understand. They can't comprehend. He said, I'm going somewhere that you can't go. And, and Peter says, no, Jesus, I'll go with you wherever you go. And then you get to John chapter 14, and Jesus says, listen, 
I'm going, but I'm coming back. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you're going to be there also. And I can just imagine the disciples are like, what in the world is he talking about? How could he leave us when all of Rome hates us, when the temple leaders hate us, when everybody hates us and is out to kill us? How can he leave us in the middle of this? Jesus, I want to go with you. I don't even know where you're going. Ah, Thomas, you know. You know where I'm going. You know who I am. I've been with you, and you've been with me, and because I've been with you, and you've been with me, you've seen the Father, and I'm going to the Father, and you're going to be with me with the Father. But I want you to understand, Thomas, you don't have to be overwhelmed. You're not going to be alone on this journey from now to glory, you're not going to be alone. How do I know? You just said one of us. You just said one of us was going to betray you. You just told Peter, who is the most exuberant among us, that he's going to deny you. If Peter can't make it, if one of us here is going to is not going to make it, is going to betray you, Jesus, how can I possibly make it? And Jesus says, well, here's how you're going to make it going to make it because you love me and because you love me you trust me and because you trust me you follow my commands and because you love me and trust me and follow my commands the spirit of truth is going to be so real to you you're not going to be alone many English translations of John chapter 14 uh, translate that that word, um, that word there that I read to you, an advocate. The Father is going to send you an advocate. Many translate it as comforter. Many of your Bibles probably translate it as comforter. The actual word is paraclete, or in the original uh, language that it was written in, parakletos. I say it with an accent as if I know how to do it. I really don't know how to do it. But I paid for a degree, so I have to pretend like I can pronounce these words. The English translation or the English writing of that word is paraclete, so I'll stick with that one. I think I got that one down. Paraclete means, it means some, some, some power that is going to come alongside you and enable and give you power to keep going. When we read the word comfort, oftentimes we read this passage and we think, oh, isn't that nice? The Lord is going to send his spirit to come make me feel better after I've gone through something. But Jesus wasn't saying that the Holy Spirit was coming to be a nurse or a doctor that would tend your wounds after you went through something difficult. If you read the passage, if you read chapter 13 and you read chapter 14, the context and the word itself demonstrates to us that paraclete means one that comes alongside you and enables you to keep going even when things are unclear and uncertain and unstable. See, that's exactly where the disciples found themselves in that moment on this, in this journey to follow Jesus. They found them in a cell, themselves in a situation where there was no stability. There was no strength. There was no capacity to keep going. In fact, 
In fact, every one of them in the next few hours was about to experience the greatest crisis of faith they had ever experienced before. And Jesus is saying to them, right in the middle of what is going to be their greatest failure, Jesus is looking at them and saying to them, in spite of your failure, in spite of your uncertainty, and in spite of what you're going to face and see in the next few hours that's going to make you think everything is lost, Jesus says to them, I am not leaving you alone. When we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we must understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is there to empower us. It is there to empower us to continue on the journey that God has called us to in spite of our circumstances because that power doesn't come from us. It comes from us outside of us. I like how the translation I read to you says advocate because it helps us a little bit to understand. It gives us a little bit of a picture. We kind of get the idea of what an advocate or imagine yourself in a, in a courtroom and you're overwhelmed by the judge and the charges against you and the circumstance that you're facing. You feel powerless. You, you feel like you don't have the right language because you don't speak legalese and you feel like you don't have all of the equipment that you need to make it happen and yet you have that advocate there who speaks a language that you don't speak. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. It's going to take two or three weeks to get there but you, some of you are already with me, you get it. You've got an advocate there with you who speaks a language that you do not speak, that has an authority and credentials that you do not have, that causes you to be emboldened in that moment, to step into your justice, to step into your peace, to step into what is rightfully yours, even when you cannot do it on your own. Jesus looked at his disciples who were so confused and so overwhelmed, and he said to them, you're not alone. Oftentimes, I fear that in the church, we have become confused about the Holy Spirit, that we have somehow or another confused the Holy Spirit with every other spirit. And we treat the Holy Spirit as if, as if he is just like every other spirit that exists in the world today. But I want you to understand something, friend. The Holy Spirit is God. One of the distinctions of Christianity is that we believe in the triune God. We believe in one God, in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. My fear is that we have come to a place where it's as if we treat the Holy Spirit as, he, as if he is somehow lesser. We treat the Holy Spirit as if he's like Casper the friendly ghost or something. We've become confused about who the Holy Spirit is versus who angels and what angels are. I hear, have heard, read books and saw messages where people would dare to tell the Holy Spirit what to do and when to do it and how to do it. The Bible makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is God. It's not like there's God the Father and the Holy Spirit is down here. That's not how the Godhead works. 
The Godhead is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God expressing himself in three very distinct persons. Yet always, always, always he is God. So when you and I approach the subject of the Holy Spirit, we're not, we're not approaching some cheap magic trick that empowers me to get what I want, when I want it, where I want it. We're not talking about some, some, something that I, that I kind of drum up so that I can tell people what to think and how to think it. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. Unfortunately, I feel like many in the church are practicing witchcraft. They're not practicing a life of the Spirit. I'll say that again because you liked it so much. I'm afraid that many of us unknowingly have been subjected to, have seen some of us even practice what is actually witchcraft, not life in the Spirit. Well, how do I know the difference, Pastor? Well, it's very simple. We read it in John chapter 14. How do I know, how do I know if a person is of God or not of God? Well, they love him. If they're of him, they love him. And if they love him, they keep his commandments. And then they get up and declare powerful words and spray doom on people and then go sleep with prostitutes next week. Because you don't love him. You're practicing witchcraft. I don't do signs and wonders and miracles in one moment and then manipulate people into emptying their bank accounts into another moment. That's witchcraft. That's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And God is, see there's a reason we call it the Holy Spirit. God is holy. And what scripture teaches us is the more we walk with the Spirit, the more we walk in holiness. Therefore, the more we demonstrate God's power, the more we should look like God. Let me, I just will show you something real quick. Uh, stepping away from John chapter 14, because this isn't a game and the Holy Spirit isn't a game. The Holy Spirit is God. And chapter 5 of the book of Acts, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 to you. It's a little bit of an off-ramp. You'll have to forgive me, but I just want you to see this morning that the Holy Spirit is God. Acts chapter 5 verse 1 says, Now a man... Name Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, why, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Okay, you see that? You have lied to the Holy Spirit. And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. If you read in the first few chapters of Genesis, when the earth was being created, God the Father was at work. 
Jesus, the, the Son, God the Son was at work and the Holy Spirit was at work. You read throughout all of Scripture, the triune God is always working in unison with one another. Here we read in Acts chapter 5 of the story of a man who, who wants to, he's a part of the church, he's in the group and he sells some property and he wants to do what everybody else is doing and so he tells them, I'm going to give you everything that I got from the sale of this property, but in his heart he decides that he's going to he's going to lie and he keeps back money for himself and the apostle says to him what are you doing you can lie to us and you can trick us but you can't trick god you've lied to the holy spirit therefore you have lied to god if you've read that story you find out that it doesn't end well for this man or his wife why because the holy spirit is God. It's not a game. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not a game. I don't take it lightly. I don't fiddle with it. I don't play with it. I certainly don't try to manipulate it for my own gain or my own good or my own notoriety or what other people will think about me. The Holy Spirit is not a created being. He was at creation with God the Father involved in creation. He is not like you and I. He is certainly not like an angel. He is God. And so over the next few weeks as we go through this series, I want you to understand that we're approaching it with humility because when we talk about pneumatology, when we talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's all about, we're approaching the very nature and identity of God. We don't tell him what to do. We don't tell him how to do it. We don't direct him. We don't command him. We don't put expectations on him. We simply obey. When I walk in the Spirit, I'm obeying God. When I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm obeying God. When I bear the fruit of the Spirit, I am obeying God. It's not a game. And it's not something that we handle lightly. The holiness and righteousness of God, who He is in His very identity, we must understand. We must understand that as God's children, he's made himself available to us and he shared with us his nature and his identity and his character and his power. Not so that, not so that we could be elevated, but so that he might be demonstrated. Not so that we might have gain, but so that he could be glorified. The Holy Spirit is here for every one of us. Turning back to John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 15 through 17 to you. It says this, Jesus again speaking to his disciples. He said, all of this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Those disciples in that moment were thinking, Jesus, I can't believe it. You're abandoning us. I can't believe it. You're leaving us. Just when all of this is about to happen, they had no comprehension of what he was talking about, that he was about to go to the cross. 
Jesus had a tendency, if you read the Gospels, he had a tendency from time to time to just kind of disappear from the disciples and go and pray. So they had become accustomed to him just kind of like, I'm tired of you guys right now. i got to go get some alone time with my father. So in this moment, when they all of Jerusalem was feeling like war was about to break out and everything was about to go crazy, Jesus says to them, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go away. And they're thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, he's going to leave us right in the middle of Passover and we're going to be here, we're going to go to jail and all this bad stuff's going to happen to us. They could not comprehend that he was saying he was about to go to the cross. And in the midst of this dark moment, as it begins to dawn on them, the things that he's saying, as it begins to dawn on them, that he is giving himself up to the religious leaders and to Rome, and he's, he's not going to fight this great military battle that they thought he was going to fight, as all of these feelings and emotions, he says to them, I just keep telling you this stuff that's going to happen so you can be certain in your heart, so that you can understand that when it happens, that when it happens, all is not lost. That I am not lost. That you are not lost. All of this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Remember earlier we read to you Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, called it the Spirit of Truth. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. Not only, not only is he our, not only is he our paraclete, but he is also our guide. He is the spirit of truth. In a world that is complicated, when things are mind-bending, when I don't know what to believe about the politics of the world, when I, when I don't know what to believe about what is right and what is wrong, and when there seems to be all of these gray areas. And understand, these disciples were having their whole world turned upside down. Everything they had been taught their whole lives all of a sudden wasn't making sense. Everything they had always believed all of a sudden was unclear. Even the one that they had trusted for the last few years was now confusing them. And what Jesus was saying to them is this Holy Spirit, He is truth. And no matter where I go or no matter what happens to me or regardless of if you're right there with me or not right there with me, the Holy Spirit will be with you and He will remind you of everything I have taught you. In other words, you will have a guide. You will know truth. I, I believe that it's not as complicated as we make it to know the Holy Spirit. It's not as complicated as we feel like it is. In fact, Jesus described it as automatic. He said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the Father. And when I go, the Spirit is going to come. And when the Spirit comes, He's going to, he's going to guide you and lead you into all truth. In other words, you'll know what to do, you'll know what to say, you'll know where to go, you'll know how to make it. Even when things are unclear, even when your world is upside down, even when things are not happening the way you think they ought to happen, Jesus says it's not complicated because the Holy Spirit will be in you. Notice what he said. He said, you know the Spirit because he's been living with you and now he's going to be living in you. 
See, the promise, the Bible describes it as our seal, our guarantee of our place in the kingdom, is that the Spirit of the Lord lives inside of us. And in 2022, and you may say, Pastor, I used to believe this, and I used to think this, and things used to be so clear to me, and it's so complicated now. What do I believe about this, and what do I think about this? Jesus says the Holy Spirit is here to lead you and to lead me into truth. Last week, I ended my message giving you a grid of, of how, we, how we practice, how we live, and we learn love. I want to give you a grid today. I want to give you another filter. I want you to write this down. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Jesus was speaking to people who he told, hey, I'm about to be betrayed, and some of you are even going to deny me. And they were like, how can we trust ourselves? How can we trust anybody else? How can we really make it? And Jesus says, you're going to be all right, fellas, because I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to be with you. And the Spirit is going to enable you and empower you. And not, you're not, only, not only is He going to be enabled, enable you and empower you, but He's going to give you clarity of what to believe and what to think and how to live. Paul goes on to teach us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, a little more clarity. What does it mean? So if I'm in the Spirit, if I'm being led by the Spirit, if I'm living in the Spirit of truth, then how do I know? Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I'm going to read that line again so we get it. So that you are not to do whatever you want or whatever your flesh wants or whatever comes natural to you. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, Paul gives a filter. How do I know if I'm in the how do I know if I'm being led by the spirit or how do I know if I'm if I'm that one that's going to betray you Jesus? Jesus says, "Listen, it's going to be automatic and it's going to be easy because the spirit is going to be in you. It's just going to be up to you to listen to the Holy Spirit." And then Paul helps us. Paul says, "Let me break it down a little bit further. This is what it looks like to live by the spirit." You don't follow your flesh. You don't follow your flesh. And then he goes on to list all of these activities of the flesh. He compares for us the activities of the spirit versus the activities of the flesh. Pastor Randy, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Here's what it has to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. 
that Jesus himself promised would be given to us as his followers. And that spirit is there to give us courage and confidence and strength and stability and to clarify for us what is true. To give us direction and to enable us to deny our flesh and to pursue the will of God. So here's the grid, here's the, grid, here's the filter. How do I know who's, how do we know where to follow you? How do we know who's really following you? How do we know who's your disciple, Jesus? Jesus says it's simple. Because the Spirit will help you. And the Spirit will clarify it for you. And as the Spirit clarifies it for you, you will demonstrate the kingdom. I want to ask you to stand with me all across this place. We've started today a deep dive into... What is, what is the work of the Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does it actually mean to me? Well, what it means to you today is this. You're not alone. You don't have to do it alone. What is powerful about what Jesus was teaching his disciples and what is powerful about what Paul echoed to the church at Galatia is this. You are not Alone, even when you face your flesh, even when you face jealousy and fits of rage and sexual immorality, even when you face your own desires, if you're not alone, the Spirit is here to help you. The question is whether or not you and I will listen to the Spirit, whether we will be obedient to the Spirit, whether we will respond to the Spirit whether we will view the spirit as something that we can manipulate and control for our own good. The Holy Spirit is God. So when we say the Holy Spirit said this or Holy Spirit wants me to do this. Friend, you're speaking about God. It's not something we take lightly. What's the filter? What's the grid? The filter and grid is always holiness. It's always holiness. John 14, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is, he's going to point going to point to me as I point to the Father. You read chapter 15, chapter 16, Jesus continues to clarify. I ask you to just close your eyes for a moment. Lord, I love these people so much. Many of us, many of us, Lord, we battle abandonment. Many of us battle insecurity. Many of us simply have never been taught. So, Lord, it's it's easy for us to not understand that your abiding presence is with us 
the Holy Spirit, you are part of the atonement and your presence is our seal. Your reality in our life. It's not something we take for granted. So Lord, I ask for every person here this morning, from the youngest to the oldest. God, maybe I've said things today that didn't make sense. Maybe, maybe every part of everything I said didn't register. But Lord, what I know is that you are the spirit of truth. And so I ask for every single person, regardless of their age or their experience in church or with the Bible or with script, regardless of all of that, for every person, spirit of truth, I ask you right now, make the word of God known to them in a way that makes a difference in their life cuts to the place where soul and spirit meets Lord I ask you forgive us for taking your spirit lightly and I ask you over the next few weeks may we go deep in our understanding of the Holy Spirit and Lord, before we ask you for your gifts and before we ask you for your fruit and before we ask you to demonstrate your power for us, I pray, Lord, may we get to know you first. Holy Spirit, I ask you, may we surrender to you first. If there's any part of our lives we've held back control or that we've held back from you may we surrender every part of ourselves may the filter be clear to us that there are parts of our flesh that are still in control may we surrender every part of ourself to you if you would your eyes closed just for a moment let me pray for you and then we'll be dismissed this morning. I certainly hope that we'll see you tonight at worship night. Father, thank you for your word today. This is one of those words that causes us to grow. And so, Lord, I pray may we grow. May we certainly grow, Lord, to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, I bless these people in Jesus' name. May we walk by the Spirit this week and bring glory to you. Amen and amen. Have a great week in the Lord.